0: Good morning, everybody. Um, I'm doing the talk now, I think, so that if I go on a bit, there's, you know, kind of capacity to, you know, shape the service. But it's not a long talk this morning because we're looking this morning at do not murder, which on the face of it is probably pretty acceptable to most of us as a rule. We've been going through the Ten Commandments and there might have been other weeks maybe about the Sabbath, Maybe about looking after your parents last week where there were real challenges, real lessons. Maybe you sat through the talks thinking, yeah, already today there's stuff I could have done better. So when we come to do not commit murder, my hope is that hasn't been too much of a challenge for most of us this morning so far. But we'll come back to the challenge for us in this verse. Before I get into it, I'm going to pray Father, you are present and you are sovereign and we trust you. We listen to you now. Amen. So, I think the most important thing that the Bible does, more importantly than it tells us what to do, more importantly than it gives us good advice, is it tells us about who God is. It reveals to us The nature of God. And we see that in the Ten Commandments. We see the nature of God. So last week, Stephen talked about honouring your parents and about how that's part of God caring for us and our safety. And so when we look at do not murder, this very clear command is part of God telling us that he, he really deeply cares about every single life. That every life matters to him. And we've got to be honest when we look at the Bible that these ten commands come a few chapters after the Passover in Egypt when the angel of death goes and kills every firstborn Egyptian. So there is a complexity to it and I don't want to pretend that the Bible is easier than it is and I'm not going to go into too much depth this morning explaining away why it's okay that God killed the firstborn in Egypt. Maybe that's something to come back to another day. But I want to acknowledge that there is complexity there. But we believe as Christians that the, if we want to understand God more, that we look at Jesus. And when we see Jesus in life, we see again and again and again that he heals that he raises people from the dead, that he honours life. And this verse came to mind from John chapter 10. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And if we are ever in any doubt that God cares deeply about every life, then we only need to look at the cross and what Jesus has done for us there. If there's any doubt that our lives don't matter or the lives of other people don't matter, we look at the cross. There is our evidence that to Jesus, every life matters. Verses like in Psalm 139 that we were knitted together in our mother's womb. That we as a church believe that every individual that has ever walked on this planet was created, intended, known, loved. And part of looking at these Ten Commandments is us understanding more the character of God, but also what we as followers of Jesus stand up for. We stand up for the things that God stands up for, and one of those is that every life matters. Life really matters to God. And that's something that we should want to be known for as the church that we are pro-life in every single possible way that we can be, that we want life to matter. And we also see, as we read the whole Bible, that God has a particular bias towards caring for the people the world has forgotten. People who are powerless and vulnerable. Widows and orphans would be the kind of Old Testament language but what might that be in our society? Homeless, immigrants, whose are the lives that are worth less in our society because the Bible as a whole shows that we as God's people should have a particular bias towards their care. So the most important thing to take away from this, do not commit murder, is that to God every life matters, your life matters. That is the character of God revealed in this. So, what does it say to us? What's the message for us? Well, for each of us every day, we do things to preserve life. For anyone here who drives, if you follow the rules of the road, you take that seriously, you don't drink and drive, you put on your glasses, try and make sure they're a bit clean, you clean your windscreen because life matters because we know that should we make a mistake on the road that could cost someone their life and we know that that would devastate a family and a community and that it would ruin our life because we would carry that now I'm a big proponent that health and safety is a really important thing and we should take it really seriously and lots of us will be in different working environments where we take health and safety seriously. And we do that in this church. We've got, um, and you said this this amazing, you know, fire alarms. And we've got the, the guard on the door so the kids don't wander off. We do all that because life matters to us. We take that seriously. If you've been to visit anyone in a hospital, they've got those little hand gel things. They used to have slightly creepy people that shouted at you when you walked past and said, wash your hands but they don't have those so much anymore. But we take those seriously, because not passing on infection is something that we do. And some of us, including me, have jobs, so I work at the hospital, where actually a mistake could mean someone losing their life. It's quite frightening. But for any of us who drive, who have anyone in our care, we all carry responsibility for other people's lives. We all take life seriously. And that's something that we do want to be known as, as a church. But I came across a quote recently, and I can't tell you who made it, because I saw it on Twitter, and it was someone saying that they'd heard someone else say it, but it's really stuck with me. Which is that, we don't really like to sin ourselves, we much prefer our institutions to do the sinning for us. And that's really stuck with me, as I've been thinking about how life matters. That we, hopefully, don't knowingly take decisions that put other people's lives at risk. Because we think life matters. But we need to think carefully about our institutions and how they work. So I want to challenge us, all of us, including me, with three different ways that we can think about life matters how we can express that. And the first is the media. And it's quite easy, I think, to blame the media for things that are wrong with our society. But we buy it. We consume it. They are playing to an audience. And so if our media has a problem, that's because that's what we want. And so when we're consuming media, however you do it, whether you go down to a shop every morning and buy your paper, whether you watch the news or whether you're on social media, we need to start noticing in the media when there is language that is encouraging hatred. And we need to stand against that. We need to notice in the media where some lies are more valuable than others. If a middle-class white girl is attacked, that is reported very differently to a young black boy in London. There are different assumptions made. There are different values placed on those lines. And the first step for us is we need to notice that. And then we need to stand against it. And we as a church need to particularly stand up for those whose voice is not loud in our society. So, for instance, it started in America, but it has become more of a global movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, which is a recognition that in certain institutions, not all lives are equally valued. And actually, as the church, we need to be listening to people who are saying, our lives seem to matter less than other people's. These institutions are treating us differently. We need to listen. And that might seem a long way away, and it might not seem relevant, but there are certainly things for our community. How are we treating people who are elderly and who are not able to advocate for themselves in a hospital? For me, as a member of staff, am I treating their life, their autonomy to choose treatment with the same respect? That I would for a younger patient. But particularly in the media, we need to notice where we are caring for a certain kind of life less than another, and we need to notice it and we need to stand up against it. There is a lot to do. So, the media and how we consume it, and especially now with social media, if you're on social media, or you use the internet, it is an amazing opportunity. If you feel like there are stories I'm not hearing, there are voices that are missing from my picture of the world, we can seek those out now. If there's a hurricane somewhere else in the world, we can find someone who lives there, and we can hear their story, and we can continue to follow it when Radio 4 have gone home. Because that's the amazing thing about the world we live in. But we've got a responsibility... To encourage media where every life matters. So we've got media. Second is money. We all have different amounts of money to spend. And the way that we spend our money tells the world what we value. And so we need to be asking more questions about how is stuff made? How many people would it be acceptable to have lost their lives for you to have that phone? And if we don't know, we need to ask. And it can be really overwhelming because there is so much information out there. But just one little step you can do is when you're in the shop that you go to, whether you're buying clothes or food, is to go up to a member of staff with something you want to buy and say, can you tell me please about how this was made? And if they don't know, say that's okay, could you ask your manager and could you let them know that customers are asking? It's just a really simple step. But with our money, we are demonstrating whether lives matter to us. And they might be lives that we never know about. But as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we need to use our money to demonstrate that life matters. Close to home and further away. So media how do we spend our money and the third is about who we might vote for now there is a high chance of a general election if you know what's happening then please do inform the rest of the world because everyone seems to be a bit confused but for those of you who are able to vote Caitlin now able to vote um, we need to think about valuing life and now I am not at all going to give you a hint of who you should vote for. So in 2016, there was a Brexit referendum. My mum and I, just using us as an example, both followed Jesus. We both cared deeply about other people's lives and about justice. We both did our research on what we felt would be the best thing for preserving life, for justice. And we came to different conclusions. But because our motivation was the same, it's been so easy for us to still connect about that. Say, how are you feeling about that now? And for us to then get on with the day-to-day work of following Jesus. Because our motivation was the same, even though we came to different conclusions. So when we come to vote, we need to be thinking as followers of Jesus about how we can use that vote to preserve life and to bring about justice. And whoever you vote for and whoever gets in, we can then continue to contact the people who represent us and tell them, as a Christian, I care about life. What are you doing about this? If you voted for someone and they get in, write to them and tell them why you voted for them. It's because of these policies. That's what matters to me. We've got a voice, and we need to use it as followers of Jesus to preserve life. And wouldn't it be amazing is, if, you know, in all the debate that goes around the general election, the church was known for the people who were saying to the politicians, what are you doing to make the world more just? What are you doing to preserve life? And who continued to hold them to account for that. That's our job. So while do not murder might seem easy, life matters is much bigger and harder for us to honour. But as with anything else, we don't do it on our own. We do it, first and foremost, in the power of God's spirit. So if there's something that feels like an overwhelming challenge, take time to pray that through. Because God's not hitting you over the head with a stick and leaving you to get on with it. He wants to change your heart. He wants to do that with you. And we also do this as a community. We're growing all the time together. So let's challenge each other. Let's encourage each other. Let's pray together as we process all of this. And just before I finish... As I was praying about this talk I felt like God was saying that there might be people here or a person here who has lost someone that they love through an act of violence maybe you know, a car crash or, or an accident an event that, shouldn't, that didn't need to happen. And that God wants to say to each of us but particularly to that person or those people That he sees that. That he feels that loss with you. And that that life that was lost matters so deeply to him. I'm going to pray for this. Father, praise you because life matters so deeply to you. You see every step we take, every you know misstep we take out onto the road when there's something coming and you, you pull us back. And many of us know your protection day to day. But I pray especially for those who have lost people they love and who are angry and hurting. Help them to know that you are with them in that that there is justice. Holy Spirit, help us all to have open hearts to you, to continue to use our voice and our money and our vote to to tell the world that you love them and that life matters to you.